Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie. Everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. Alright, hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Jeremy Fisk and today I am joined by Lee Carlo and Chapin Hemingway. We are going to be reviewing 1999's The Matrix. Uh, then we're going to talk about the influences the, that The Matrix had on other movies, maybe what may have influenced The Matrix. Um, and then we're going to wrap it all up with our top five slow motion scenes. dream, Neo, that you were so sure was real. What if you were unable to wake from that dream? How would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world? What is happening to me? The answer is out there, Neo. It's the question that drives us. What is the Matrix? The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? They're watching you, Neo. Human beings are a disease. You are a cancer of this planet. And we are the cure. Get me the hell out of here! All right, guys, so going back to 1999, we've already uh, talked about American Beauty. We talked a little bit about Fight Club in the Fincher retrospective, and here we are talking about The Matrix. All three of these movies, the main character doesn't want to accept their reality. So you've got uh, Edward Norton's character who literally makes somebody up who's his sort of ideal person in order to not live the boring, mundane life he's living. You have uh, Kevin Spacey's character who uh, decides to quit his job and try to relive his youth um, in American Beauty. And here you have a computer programmer, uh, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, who's seem, who seems to have a pretty mundane day-to-day life and is trying to figure out an escape from it. So I guess my question to you guys is, are you like Neo uh, sitting here 20 years later and would you do you still want to take the red pill and go down this rabbit hole? Or are you kind of like, no, get me the blue pill. This stuff doesn't really work anymore in our day and age. Uh, and nope the fuck out. Do, do you mean, like, metaphorically speaking, or like... Are, like, or, did you go with the movie as far as its philosophies and um, ideas on uh, sort of living in an al- alternate reality, or did it seem dated to you at this point? Well, that's interesting. I mean, it's it's... 
you're I think you're conflating or rather maybe the movie conflates two different things which is the sort of the mundane nine to five that the you know middle class finds itself in um, versus this kind of scientific idea or science fiction idea that's been you know popularized in other pieces of work other scientific science fiction work that you know we're all living in a construct uh, a digital construct that is um you know a a sort of uh simulation you know uh, elon musk has brought that up um as like a real concept uh but you know I, I think that that kind of thinking goes back to, you know, Descartes, right? Like you could, like philosophers have been thinking about that kind of thing for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I don't know, are you, are you, because you, you compared it to those two, the American Beauty and a Fight Club, which makes me think, I mean, and that is, I certainly noticed that as well in The Matrix where he's, he's living this, he, at least as it per, pertains to his work, he's got this kind of, you know, stark existence much like the narrator in fight club and and um and and kevin spacey in american beauty yeah i guess i'm also just like trying trying to wonder like what was going on in 99 that that was so important and then does that apply to us uh in 2019 uh like with the matrix i found it to be a movie that the premises and the philosophy carry the day whereas the story piggybacks on that well it i honestly think that the 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 where it, the, the where it originates from is this sort of anxiety cultural anxiety about technology right you're we're on the right. pre, we were on the precipice of y2k you know you remember how big a deal that was and nothing happened from it <laughs> yeah. um but I well, also, t- but I honestly think that you know, I mean, I don't want to get too sort of philosophical here, but I honestly think we're like living in, we we are in the time period where technology has taken over us. It's not in a as much of a cinematic sort of uh, red, cinematic way that is envisioned in the Matrix, but the the sort of anxieties about technology have manifested themselves in a much different way, but we're living, I think, as slaves to technology in, in a different way, you know? Yeah, I I mean, to answer my own question, I think it applies almost more now, uh, basically saying exactly what you just said, Chapin, um, as far as being slaves to technology and the anxiety that brings about. It, it, it's way worse now. Um, than it than it was then. I think I I also wrote down uh, Jeremy as as I was kind of putting my notes together. This movie, I was like, oh boy, here here's another 1999 movie about a character who's sort of a a slave to society and a and just another cog in the wheel. And you know, I was like, okay, we've talked about American Beauty, which was a movie that we really kind of went into being like, will this hold up? Because we remember it being. Uh, very much a movie of its time and we we had a similar question maybe uh, going into our revisit with Fight Club and I don't know that we ever really had that question with The Matrix you know is this will this movie hold up because I think a lot of what you think back of on with The Matrix is sort of its uh, innovation and its influence and kind of you know the bullet time and the slow motion and the way it was filmed and and, and the, the fight scenes and all of that but in many ways, you can kind of look at it the same way. Say, okay, does this movie hold up because of that particular theme? But what I think is kind of an interesting 
piece about all three of these movies and what makes them unique is is and, and I think what we, we've learned or at least what I've learned is that you know that that piece that that slave to society or whatever you want to uh, call it that connects the three is sort of secondary like we found that American Beauty while those themes were there it offered up a lot more just in in the character studies and obviously the performances lended a lot to that fight club you kind of responded to much more on a visceral level um and that movie you know was was an experience and then here you know i think the world building was a huge piece of this and what makes this movie kind of unique so yeah you have this character who is you know stuck in a cubicle lives this mundane boring life looking for an escape but that escape is literally, you know, finding, you know, the rabbit hole to the real world, to this bigger truth. And I think that's sort of interesting and unique about this movie. But here's what's interesting about that. I, I rem- when I look back, when I was rewatching it yesterday and the day before, I was surprised by how little time we actually spend in that mundane life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's something I remember. Yeah, but, you it's know, real he's, quick. He's only at work that one day and he's and he's late because he's stayed up, you know, because he's had this event, you know, where he's been encountered by um, Trinity. And then he arrives late at work and is, you know, quickly bailed out. And so you see, like, in the kind of the set decoration how kind of, you know, vacant his life is there. But it's Or the not, lack thereof, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not, there isn't a whole bunch of time spent there. I mean, he kind of seems to have an interesting life. Like, he's a hacker or, I don't know, you know, he goes out to these clubs and... I don't know. I think um, I was surprised that we didn't focus focus more on it that time. Yeah, and so to, it, it wasn't quite as poignant, I felt like, watching it in retrospect. To build on that, I have a note here, basically, that says there's a lot of lack of interaction with regular people. Everything, and maybe done on purpose, but everything is all within the world of those few characters we know. It, it's almost like the Matrix... It exists, but we don't ever get to see sort of any real interaction within it between our characters and the Matrix, or or I should say the people within the Matrix. It feels very isolated Well, this time around. Yeah. Do you think that has to do with the character that they were trying to create? I mean, I do think of, like, at least I think of, you know, this, you know, hacker, computer programmer character that sort of lives in their basement is a very isolated character with without a lot of outside contact. So I do think that that was an intentional choice in trying to develop Neo or, or Thomas Anderson in that case. Um, but I do think it, it's a bit of a problem and it lends to a bigger picture and maybe this will get us a little bit more into things. But uh, I think it lends to the fact that Neo is kind of boring, you know? Well, I think it lowers the stakes a little bit because who this whole movie's about protection of the world and mankind and yet you don't really see much interaction with the world or mankind. No. And the only few times you do see interaction with anyone else it, within the matrix, they're probably shooting them and killing them. So right. it, be, it it has the stakes then become a little bit lower because you're like really who are they essentially saving i mean you get it you get it by what the dialogue is and what they tell you but i think that's also 
a slight qualm I have with this movie. It's, it's like they decided all these amazing sort of philosophical things that they want to build onto this uh, story, and then they they had to put the pieces together afterwards to actually connect the story. And I, you know, it's an interesting way to to make a movie like this. It's like, oh, we're gonna have a we're, let's figure out a way to do some awesome kung fu, and they had you know, and then they they come up with a really clever way. Uh, or let's figure out a way to to have these religious uh, ideas in it, and they kind of figure out a, a a a smart way. Or or there's a love scene and a kiss, and how are we going to make this like a fantasy? And they figure out a smart way to do it, but overall, the story then loses a little impact when it's first built on the philosophies or the religion well, or the yeah. I mean, I, di- I disagree a little bit with you just in the sense that I, I I think you're right. It's interesting. It's a notable exception that we don't see a lot of the, like, populace, right? We Like, our, our connection to them in this small little world is Neo, who is a loner. Um, but I do think that expanding beyond the kind of um, workplace you know fighting against the workplace pa- patriarchy for lack of a better term that is sort of consistent between these 1999 movies is part of this but it also goes beyond that into the sense that like you know what is what is life you know um like i mentioned Descartes i think therefore i am you know how do I, how do we know that we're not in a simulation how do we know who we are you know um there are things that that define you in your mind. And I think it's an interesting thing that people have been pondering for ages. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the heart of the philosophical point of it. Like how, how do you know what you are and, 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 and what, what do you, what defines you and, and how do you, how do you know that you are, you know, a, a single entity, you know? And I think there's all this, this language in this film about one and Neo is a, mix up of the word the one and um you know like the idea of being one and the the individual yourself and how how you manifest in real life and what is real life and that kind of thing i think is you didn't see him as sort of a jesus figure as the one i mean that's definitely there dying and resurrecting i mean what you come to find out in the sequels which i you know we probably don't want to discuss here but is that he's kind of one of many I guess spoiler alert <laughs> like he's one he's a line of like there's there's a lot of the ones um and I don't know maybe maybe he is that I I, I, I mean taking the sequels out of it ha- they haven't existed let's just say at this point when you're watching in in 1999 I, I feel like there's definitely a, a bit of that to this movie and I don't think there's anything wrong with that and I think it's all super interesting and it makes for a really great film but what is our big through story here that really captures captures you and I think like Lee said I think part of a problem and not a big problem but part of a problem is that yeah Neo's boring and the acting isn't great there well I will so 
the the piece that gets us here to answer that question, like well, the the through line, is that this movie is is massively entertaining. I mean, if nothing else, yes. it's 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 so much fun and it's super cool. Um, and especially the final act of this movie is like better than I remember it to be honest, in terms of just its entertainment value. But going backward a little bit to what we were talking about, like I do think this movie takes like a sort of oddly minimalistic approach with its screenplay and its storytelling and its world building because it does ignore kind of the populace like you guys said and this movie could be just like like head scratchingly confusing but it manages not to they do sort of a good job of not over explaining things it stays very efficient but everything is explained enough so that you kind of understand what their mission is and that's the piece that we're supposed to follow this mission to essentially you know, fulfill this prophecy with the one who turns out to be Neo, uh, who will essentially end this war that is uh, like attacking Zion, the, the biggest city in the real world. And honestly, like, interestingly enough, this was uh, the, the first time I'd ever seen this movie and like I really understood everything. And I don't know if that's because I was just paying more attention or I'm smarter now than I was 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but. I like everything just seemed very simple and I liked that about this and so that aspect of like having no outside connection to you know real human beings in this movie didn't bother me at all I didn't miss it other than that fact that like you have sort of a loner boring character in in Neo uh, but yeah I mean I just think they were pretty efficient in this in creating this world like it, it could have been it could have been a mess it could have been so confusing yeah, I mean, I, I did miss it, though, and I also felt like everything kind of, uh, and you touched on this, Jeepin, everything kind of happened a little too quickly. Um, you know, it seemed like no time at all between when they brought him in and when he was able to, you know, stop the bullets and, uh, uh, you know, destroy an agent. And I, without, like, having the time or the the building of relationships a little better it was harder for me to really enjoy those moments i i will say um that when we look back at these films um i was listening to jaws and our and our and our um our jurassic park podcast from last summer and I was thinking, you know, it's hard to look back. Like, how are we looking at these things when, when we are looking back? Are we looking back and are we trying to, like, kind of surmise, like, what was what was so good about movies in 1999? Or, like, what do we love about these films? Or why were these films popular? And, I mean, to me, I had a really difficult time sort of appreciating The Matrix this time around. And I had a trouble looking at it as it was, as it must have appeared to me in 1999. I mean, I was obsessed with this film when it came out, as every young, you know, <laughs> angry teenager was when it did. Um, and I saw it three times. I remember I, that was a time when you, I had to sneak into R-rated movies because of how young I was. And um, But now, I, I don't know, uh, the charm, a little of the charm was lost on me. And I think, you know, as we try to look at this film, and, and, and Lee, I'm excited to talk about how this film influenced other films and how other films influenced it. Um, it's a little, it's a little bit of a kind of a moot point for me. I mean, I'm excited to talk about it, but I'm also just like, you know what? I, I this isn't a film that I, I necessarily value as much as I used to. Um, and 
that was a little bit shocking to me because I, I, this was such an important film for a lot of people, but especially for me when it came out. I, I agree with you on that. Like I, I felt the same sort of just a, a little bit underwhelmed and part of me was like just watching it and, and just, I kept kind of saying to myself, oh, that's you know, that's clever. Oh, this is like, oh, this scene is now their attempt at a Western. And, you know, this scene is like <laughs> the idea of of deja vu. And, and like, oh, that may, that's really clever because, you know, everyone can relate to that. And like, but then I just, I couldn't sink, like sink myself into the sort of, I, I wanted to latch on to a little more than, oh, that's really clever or that's really cool this time around. And may, like maybe that's not fair to the Matrix for me to want to latch on to something that just was never there. But for some reason, I, I wanted to this time around. I, I had kind of the opposite reaction as you guys. And I think that has more to do with how I, I have always felt about this movie going into it. I've always sort of characterized it as, as overrated a little bit. Not that I've disliked it, but I always felt like it was one of those movies that because it was so innovative and influential that it got credit for being better than it actually was. And I don't know, maybe I think that might still be true to a certain extent. Um, I think maybe it's sort of settled into it, you know, uh, where we kind of where it belongs in terms of, you know, it's, it's credit at this point. But I actually, I, the thing I enjoyed most about this movie, oddly for better or worse was sort of dissecting both the good and the bad of it and like you know the good being uh, how entertaining it is i mean unfortunately i don't think it has a whole lot more to offer than than that i mean you know yes than being no than being entertaining and cool and and i disagree with that well the piece more well well well, the things that it like it's 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 a really well executed movie i mean they do a lot of really good things here and i don't i don't want to say that like the only positive takeaway is that it's entertaining. It's entertaining because there's a lot of things done so well. So but you don't think the themes elevate you know, it? I, not, not totally. I mean, I think that they're interesting and I think that they're smart and it's, it's actually, I think a pretty good script. Like I said, it's, it's, it's done very efficiently as well. Um, but I also didn't find it to be particularly like, I don't know. I I don't. I didn't find it to be a particularly new theme to explore. And uh, look, maybe that's because we've been like looking at all these movies from 1999 that kind of deal with similar characters. Maybe that's because we've seen so many movies since The Matrix that you know cover the same same things. And and you know we'll get into that. And perhaps they are just influenced by The Matrix. And I don't want to take credit away from this movie, but I didn't find it to be particularly transcendent in any way other than kind of its filmmaking. Like the story I didn't find to be particularly transcendent other than the fact that it's, you know, a clever idea. There's other parts I mean, of this movie that yeah. I find oddly like student filmish too. Well, uh, what, which parts? Would yeah, t- tell us that. Well, I mean, the acting to begin with is, is I would say leans more on the bad side than even average from, a bunch of good actors and a couple mediocre ones and then some bad ones. Um, 
uh, there, like, I don't know. There were a lot of things. I, you know, this, the set dressing, Chapin, you alluded to it, and I think it was intentional, like the cubicle being totally, like, void of any set dressing. And I, I felt like that stuff just kind of was distracting. Um, there were some editing things in this movie that I felt like were um, a bit amateur-ish. The costumes felt very, you know, obvious. The sunglasses in the black and, yeah. like, the trench coats. Like, it all felt like you know, a really high production value student film at times. And again, that isn't to totally, totally to take away a lot. Like one of the editing issues I had oddly was just like a weird cut that was in the middle of the, the lobby scene, which I mean, that's an awesome sequence. So I didn't care, but like I found it distracting and I just thought these are just little things scattered throughout the movie that makes it feel like these aren't, you know, totally like, these aren't directors working at the top of their game and the Wachowski's career is a whole nother conversation that I think would be interesting to have. But, uh, that aside, well, I I, yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if like the fact, you know, now that they've transitioned into women has any influence on sort of any hidden meanings in the matrix or you think so? just a coincidence. I don't know. I mean, like, there are, it's a lot about like, you live in two lives or, um, yeah, that's interesting. you know, uh, what's in the real world that what I, you know, what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing is not real. Uh, you know, you can yeah, always no, that's look a t- in, interesting theory. Yeah. Look into that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't know. I feel like I came into this podcast wanting to thinking I really like the matrix, but I, you know, I do have those reservations about it. They do, they do some, like, it's, again, this kind of goes back to, like, me kind of saying, for better or worse, like, this movie, you know, does a lot of interesting things, and, like, they, they do, there's some, like, there's some signs in here of, like, some smart filmmaking, like, things as simple as, like, the, the, when the characters are in the matrix, there's, like, a green tint uh in on the on the screen like that the color palette of the scene has this like subtle green tint and i thought that was sort of kind of and it's really really subtle which i thought was like impressively done and i was like okay that's that's a really well executed piece of this movie and then you know but then it's just like they step out of a door in these black trench coats and sunglasses and like it's just so on the nose and like right out of a you know but is it on the nose now? Tarantino like, gangster film. But it's not. I mean, you're right. Like it's not. It's not so much the. I mean, the slow motion walking is one thing, and the way it's captured cinematically is one thing. But, um, you know, with the costumes and the, just, yeah, I it's. They, there's subtle. Like there's, there's subtlety some places, like the green tint, um, and the way it compares to like the real world, and the I think the I think the the mise-en-scene the the set decoration and such in the real world is really well done and um sort of thoughtfully composed but then you've got them like why are they all wearing you know rubber and latex and leather when they like aren't they trying to, supposed not to fit be in noticed? yeah yeah like <laughs> yeah. and 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 like you know but that goes back to like because it's cool it looks cool and like there's cool lines of dialogue in this movie. i guess like, but they but they made it i mean they were they didn't let the it's cool thing f- factor into the post-apocalyptic world they created when they're not in the matrix you know right like no it's well, because the matrix is is not reality it's it's 
a fantasy in a weird way. So that's like the extreme of the fantasy. This is what we want to look like. I think that's what they were going for. I, I guess. don't know. I think they were going for this looks cool because like it, it ties in with like the what do you guys need? Guns, lots of guns. And then the I mean, look, that's a cool line. And then like honestly, like while this is like laughable in a bad movie, the fact that this movie is good enough to pull off a line where uh, Carrie Ann Moss is like dodge this and shoots the guy like that's so cool. I was like, this is awesome. I was yeah. like a teenager watching that. And I was like, if she wasn't wearing sunglasses in all black, this wouldn't work. So <laughs> I, I, that's why I think they do it. But yeah, then they have, you know, it's it's sort of on the nose. And, you know, they, they go over and over again, talk like saying like, you know, if I could show it to you, I would, but I can't. I, or if I could tell it to you, I would, but I can't. I have to show it. Like they repeat all these like sort of like half subtle lines over and over again. And it, I just felt like there was these elements of the movie that were so on the nose and like trying so hard to like really make you think when this movie did that on its own like the subtle aspects of this movie did that i think i mean but i also think there are are scenes like the scene with the oracle that i think are really well written and acted and well done that aren't super on the nose I mean, what do you guys think of that scene in particular? Yeah, I, like I, the there is no spoon and the knocking no, the vase over and stuff. More the the conversation with the oracle herself and knocking the vase over, and she's like, "Oh, if you know, if I hadn't said it, would you have done it?" So it, that's a, so that's a thought provoking line, but sh- like. But are we supposed to spend as much time more. thinking about that? Is it like what, I think how, so. I mean, because it lends to other things. It's like he, she tells him he's not the one. She tells uh, Carrie Ann Moss that she'll fall in love with the one. But would she have fallen in love with the one if she had never said it, or did she just sort of it, make it a self uh, fulfilling prophecy? I think it does. Add yeah, no, that's a good some point. layers to it. That um, no, I think that I, I think overall, if I were to grade this script, it's actually really good. I, I think I, th- I think they they go a little too far sometimes with like uh, I guess specifically Morpheus, like you know, uh, to, I'll show you how far the rabbit hole goes, and all is kind of like you know the preachy. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't I know that that's... there is either. I I just think I mean, that honestly, it, it, I think it's the more the performance than anything. That could be it, and I I was you know. Again, the acting in this movie is pretty bad. I, I don't know if there's anybody that's really any good in it. To be honest, I think, I think the lady who plays the oracle is the best part of it. Yeah, yeah. which is not which, the, and that's so that's. I mean, I agree, but I don't think that that's a the you know the compliment this they would like to hear. Um, and so I think that hurts some of the lines of dialogue. But you're right. Like I think that scene with the oracle is good, and like I said, there's some efficient storytelling and or, or world building and explaining everything that is done well here so i think the script is good i i, I just think there's just so many moments that are just what so do you guys nose. what do you guys think of the love story and how that wraps up it's like one of the least convincing love stories I of agree. all time i agree and it's what it's what i was trying to say before about them wanting to be clever and reinvent the reinvent uh a, an old trope instead of actually taking the time to build the more important thing, which is the relationship there. Like they wanted to be clever, have, you know, the woman kiss the man and he comes back out of sleep while there's, you know, basically fireworks going off behind him. 
uh, which is a, a new way to do it, and it's a it's a clever and cool way to do it. But th- that relationship itself is just so unbelievable. Well, because what this goes back to my original point: what is what is Trinity falling in love with? <laughs> like mm-hmm. what? Like he has zero personality. Zero. Well, he I don't the, think that. I don't know that that's true. But I, I mean, what? Like, what is interesting about him? Like that's what I just found so like annoying about this movie that this is like this honestly like not that the matrix is not like an iconic movie but it's for different reasons like it could have been much more influential and much more iconic if they had a character in this movie that transcend that was transcendent like he this neo is not interesting nobody cares about neo when they talk about the matrix nobody talks about that aspect of it they talk about the you know the bullet timing and it's you know innovation in that regard like if they had a character in this movie that was i'm trying to think of a a, a comparable example and well, maybe you guys come up with what, one that like it, it's what i was saying it's just like the, the characters be- between the relationships of the characters we know and the relationships between the characters and the rest of the world like that seems to all be what's lacking everything else built around it is is smart and clever and the technical aspects are through the roof but if you don't have that other thing you're not, it's not a great movie right all right so you uh, lee why don't you lead us off on this next discussion so i think um i don't think i'm you know breaking any big news with any hot takes here when i say that the matrix was was enormously influential on movies that followed it um the first one you know as i was watching this that that came to mind was inception which you know obviously it had a lot of influence on movies even before that but you know the way inception uses slow motion the the dual worlds in inception like all sorts of stuff in that movie i thought was was very comparable to the matrix but i know just in general the way that the action scenes were shot had a huge influence on on action scenes moving forward and kind of stylized action as much as i think his movies suck although i haven't seen a lot of them i think Zack snyder's movies probably took a lot from the matrix and so uh, that's all there and we can talk about it a little bit but what I, I i found to be probably more interesting in terms of a conversation we can have is is movies that influence the matrix and i feel like that's talked about a little less um and i know there's a ton of there's a ton of like kung fu movies and John Woo movies that I haven't seen that I know were huge influences. I know there's a lot of anime that that they drew from. Um, but th- w- a couple like there were some like Star Wars things here that I saw. But the biggest one was obviously Terminator um, with uh, the rise of the machines, of course, and just you know battling against them to kind of save what's left of the world. I- and I found. So what was interesting is I think that the the technical aspects of this movie have been influential on other movies, but the story, aside from like the kung fu, the story was drawn from other movies and was influenced by a lot well, of other I, movies. I, I kind of alluded to it. I think everything was purposely something else. Yeah, and it's very like Tarantino, but which I like. I think that's yeah. I if you can is. pull that off and you can do it originally. Then it's great. Tarantino totally bites everything from Scorsese. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, and, and I think every little bit of this was 
a reference to something else. I alluded to like the fight between Agent Smith and Neo in the subway station, and they they have this sort of standoff, and there's a a newspaper that you know goes by like a tumbleweed. So oh, yeah, it, it's like they're western. So every moment of this movie, and I I probably missed the majority of them was definitely a reference to either another movie, some sort of anime or uh, kung fu film. Um, everything was just done so specifically in that vein, for sure. So this, the, the kind of the, I didn't really have a, an exact question, but this is sort of the like idea within this discussion that I wanted to, to go over is like, so you have you have something like that in this movie and you mentioned Tarantino and we know that Tarantino is just an amazing student of cinema and has seen literally every movie that exists and draws from them and can do that better than perhaps anybody. So, so the Wachowskis were able to do that. Like that, it's sort of amazing that you can, you can obviously see those movies and draw from them and make pieces of them your own in a cohesive way and I guess this is a little bit like what I said before, like how, how are they so capable of doing that, but then just incapable of like doing anything more with that? You know what I mean? Like they, they, they've made a few other movies, but they've sort of just disappeared off the face of the earth in terms of making quality movies that people go to see. And they, you know, if they are so influenced by movie history and certain genres did they just did they just shit it all out with the Matrix and like that was it and then they had nothing left now that they have literal zero creativity left so they couldn't make anything else like that lends to, that lends to sort of the question of like you know are 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 the Wachowskis creative filmmakers or are they smart filmmakers or are they into, like you know students of cinema history and are able to draw from that but they they aren't really all that creative themselves I. I, I I mean, I'm going to come down in defense of them, even though uh, my feeling about this movie is that it's maybe a little bit overrated, ultimately. But I, I do think what they did was was super creative. I mean, not not every, everything in film, you know, like there there's there isn't really anything original. I mean, I don't know. It's right. I, I know like, what you mean. Yeah, this is how it's hard to break down. But like, you know, with with movies, I don't I don't know. Did, is there anything like how do you, how do you define define something original? You know, there's no original stories. I don't I don't know that originality is is uh, something that that really is valued in in storytelling. I think it's you not know, synonymous with creativity. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Exactly, that's a great way to put it. And and I think what they did, you know, they they because I, I, I was thinking about this today. I was I was like, you know, I know that there's a lot of references um i know that, that the matrix is a is a kind of a uh collection of of references to other types of movies and anime and the hong kong stuff and you know they stole the um you know the that very famous wu yun ping the 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 fight choreographer from hong kong and uh but i i i don't know i, I went back and i kind of looked at all the sort of the what what like found YouTube videos of of clips from movies, and I think what they did in the Matrix was quite original. I mean, in 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 relation to 
other people who have stolen things sort of in relation to even how people have stolen things from the matrix you know like they took they took um the sort of the wire work from kung fu movies but then combined it with you know guns and shooting and um sort of this sort of uh, flight and you know being letting letting their characters essentially you know run up walls and do things that were um you know previously impossible and in a real world situation wouldn't be realistic and the way they do and then they took visual effects and created bullet time and what that was was a was a real was not only stylistically cool and, and kind of inventive but also you it, it much like inception did you know nearly 10 years later um it took uh, how does how old does that make you feel yeah really old the matrix seems like it's a freaking ancient <laughs> right, and uh, Inception was only ten years after that, or really, but, well, eleven but, years after that. What that does is it puts you in the in the point of view of the character. You you know what it's like to have these superpowers that these characters have because they can slow time down, you know, and um, they can they can move around in in ways that um, you know other normal people can't, and that's that's interesting. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. I just don't think. And what I'd love to know from you guys is like, you know, to me, what's interesting about about this phenomena, the phenomena of the Matrix is that it does it's so groundbreaking at the time and it gets so much hype and it's copied and it's, um, you know, it has all this attention put on it. But then, you know, I think that's very common with with things that are so original like this or, or, or so sort of groundbreaking. They, they come out and then they don't. And then, you know, when you look at them 20 years later, they don't quite have the same impact or you start noticing the seams well yeah that's because I, I, the the more the further you get away from it and the more movies that were influenced by it come out the the more the likelihood exists that something does it better so like we can make the argument that inception you know handles slow motion better and and integrates it into the story better or or gives it a, you know a more a bigger impact on the story and, and and we can argue that but like i just think maybe that's what it is and and it's also just becomes a little bit less impressive either the more times you see it in in the matrix or in other movies and i and and you're right that discredits the movie perhaps unfairly but that's why i think well i think that the fact that they invented this sort of bullet time will kind of be forgotten in in the realm of the history of of film because of how many times afterwards it's been used but what's so original about it and why it's so clever is because it's not like they just did invented this new technology and it served zero point in the story yeah, well, it wasn't just a stylistic choice yeah well it was a stylistic well, choice but it wasn't but, only yeah, that yeah but it served it served i mean this story's about time and space um and manipulating your environment. And then they took that idea and it was they were able to invent this whole entirely new technology based on it. So I think if you want to talk originality, that that does deserve a lot of credit. Um, you know, because I think, and we'll get into it with our top five slow motion stuff, but if you decide to use slow motion, I think it should have more meaning than just it looks cool. I agree. Yeah, and they, so, and they, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, so so now just to... Well, do you guys have anything to add in terms of just, like, 
movies that you feel like were influenced by the Matrix? That well, nothing specific, out? but I, I do want to say that I love when the filmmakers are able to pull this off. For some reason, that feels original. When you're able to take steel directly from other things you love and put it into your own world and your own story and fit it the way that they did in this movie, the way Tarantino does in his movies, um, I think there's a, there's a lot of originality to that as well. And uh, they deserve a bunch of credit for that. Yeah, was... when it, it is an amazing... It is an amazing skill to be able to take something and essentially earn the credit for it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we all the all of the things we see in the Matrix, we credit the Wachowskis for. Yet they have taken it from somebody else. So, like, that's how well they've done it. And Tarantino's the same thing. And I think that's an amazing skill. I mean, I I, I would just like to add that I I think that. I'm sort of surprised how we you know we're not talking about the sequels, but uh, how quickly they, <laughs> how quickly sort of the Wachowskis in particular, but also sort of Hollywood in general, killed this style and I mean this yeah. series. Like in the in a world where we're like have on our like fourth Men in Black film, we've yeah. we we haven't seen another Matrix reboot. Why I hasn't mean, there been a prequel or something? Yeah, right. You know, and and. They really killed it with those sequels. I mean, they 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 just drove this idea into the ground. And I mean, I'm looking at the also, you know from 1999. There's a couple other movies on here that were uh, in, in series that we're still making. I mean, it's not like the just the 20 years timeline is something that will that will get rid of it. I mean, Men in Black came out two years before this film, and it's 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 like I think. I don't know if it speaks to the sort of the sort of ephemeral quality of, you know, the this this storyline or the, the sort of the lack of substance. But I, I do think that, you know, it's it's sort of amazing how quickly people got tired of it. Yeah, it's a good point. And I'd have to revisit those other uh, sequels. But you're right. It seemed like tired or exhausted of it is a good way to put it. And it's hard to remember the last time something like that happened. Yeah, I hadn't really thought like it's a great why why haven't they done more with this property? Like I guess cuz it's the Weinsteins. Well, I, right? well, I mean it, no, uh, no, it's not the Weinsteins. It isn't. It's, it's Warner Brothers. Oh, it is. Okay. Well, look, look, you have the first movie come out, it kind of does gangbusters business. And then the sequel comes out and does huge, the the reloaded, and then and then the other the, the the third one just bombs. It just it I mean it 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 completely I mean it made 130 million dollars, but it made half what half what the previous film did. You know, it's just they kind of just killed it. Yes, that's awesome. What? You just took one in the jugular, man. Ha! Whoa! Yes! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god, I did! Is this bad? Is this bad? You should pull that out! That shit is not cool! Wait! Wait! Pull one out! The dart, man! Got a fucking dart in your neck! You're crazy. You're crazy, man. 
You're crazy. I like you, but you're crazy. All right. Uh, so top five slow motion scenes. Um, I guess we'll we'll ask the normal question. Any criteria for this? You pulled from any time period. I mean, what, what were you guys looking for? Uh, all all narrative films. Um, mm-hmm. No documentaries. No Planet Earth. Um, shot in 4K. Nothing like that. Um, really, other than that, just had to um, be an increased uh, um, frames per second. And were you looking for specifically longer scenes of it, no, or could it be no, shorter? Not necessarily. Or? I mean, I it was a combination of honestly, you know, looking at my list, it it, it was more um, for the most part. Most of my list has to do with just like how how well they were done stylistically. Yeah, for me, it was how much impact and how how I remember them, like like that either that shot or that scene or whatever it may be, um, on more of a personal level, how uh, I guess yeah impactful it was to me as a viewer, and I also made a note not to do more than one or two works from one director. Oh, I did the same. Yep. I did the same thing. Chapin, how about you? You just writing down your list now? Yeah, just just finishing it up. No, no I don't, <laughs> I actually struggled with this list a little bit. I thought it would be really easy, but um, I didn't want to put too too much. I, I I think I'm not really a big fan of slow motion in movies, which I think is surprising. You know? Huh? Yeah, that's oh. interesting. Learn something. Well, not a big fan. We, Why don't you we, go with number five? <laughs> Me and Jeremy start going through. He's like, that's shit. No shit movie. Should have filmed that in real speed. Well, then I will do do number five because, and I think that this I'm going to steal this one from you guys because uh, because um, I well I'm going to go first. So um, (laughs) it's that scene in American History X when uh, right after um, he curb stomps that dude, and yes, there's God, yeah. He's walking towards the camera, and I remember specifically at being at Emerson and asking my film one teacher what is happening in that shot that's making it look that way. And I think it's a combination of both super, super slow motion, but also that they they um, changed the shutter angle. So you've got that throbbing of the light as it's as it's happening. It's, it's a movie that I think I appreciate a little bit less than you guys do, but I just remember trying like seeing that shot in film school and wanting to like... I think I'm sure I borrowed it from you, Jeremy, well, and was like, "God, how Jeremy wanted to emulate this? it." <laughs> yeah, so that's definitely it'll be off my list now, but it's uh, definitely uh, honorable mention. And there's also actually the weirdly the that wasn't the first scene in that movie I thought of. I thought of the end. Of I the thought movie. of the end. Yeah, I yeah, totally when, forgot about the other one, which the one you mentioned, Chapin's better. That's a better use of it. Yeah. But for some reason, we, it stuck with us the end of it where he realizes his brother has been shot and he turns around. Well, and when he's getting shot is in slow motion, too. Oh, yeah. I was thinking when Edward Norton just turns his head yeah, and, and literally just turns his head. I think what's what's interesting about that shot in particular and why it stands out a little bit is that he's, you know, in, you think of slow motion as having a lot of movements, you know, because movement looks cool, slowed down. Yeah. But he's not real. I mean, he's walking towards camera there. But there's just something hypnotic about that light and yeah, what's happening. Yeah, yeah. He's not really moving like left to right a lot. He's kind of just kind of coming at you, which isn't necessarily like inherently interesting from slow motion. 
I want to watch that scene now. All right, Lee, what do you got for your number five? Okay, so my number five is um, probably the like least memorable in terms of the fact that it's you know, a, a slow motion part of this scene because the 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 more memorable part of the scene is is in full speed. Um, but it's in Drive. Nicholas Winding Refn's Drive in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Right before he stomps the guy's head, and he and the kiss is in slow motion. But like, what's even better is like when he just like takes his arm and pushes Kerry Mulligan to to the back of the elevator. Is such a good shot. Like he just slowly pushes her to the back of the elevator. I just did that, by the way, to show our audience as I was saying that. I don't know why I did that, but um, and then he then it goes to full speed where he you know you know head stomps that guy to death. So far, we've had literally two scenes, and both involved oh, yeah. stomping somebody's head, <laughs> and the and the <laughs> after, and the slow scene. motion before and after. Yeah. Uh, That's all right. So my number five, I chose it. Good fellas, right after. <laughs> I chose it because it's sort of how it, it it's the realization moment in a movie that's all about a realization moment, and it's the uh, coffee cup falling from the hands in the usual suspects yeah yep when he realizes uh the whole story was fabricated yeah is the rest of that is is the rest of that scene in slow motion when he's looking at the at the the board behind him or is it just the coffee cup dropping i think it's just the coffee cup drop dropping i mean if everything else is sort of a still shot at the different Things. But it is very like the, the whole rest of that movie is very I don't know it's not slow motion but it is very like methodical I guess, um, which that that dropping of the cup kicks off. There you go. Chapin wasn't impressed with that. It's bit. good he for yawned. number five. Yelling during it. Yeah, sorry, I did. <laughs> uh, my number four. I think it, head got stomped. Is um, right before somebody gets their head caved in and that's uh the opening of raging bull yeah that was one it was I, I was kind of going back and forth whether i wanted this on my list like i love that opening it could be one of your best credit sequences ever yeah i mean scorsese i think uh, as i was researching this topic is a it's sort of a master at using slow motion in a um in kind of a sort of methodical clever way in a way that sort of is is not just to make things look cool but to really tell a story with you know put you put you in the mind of a character um there's like and i and i think what's what's the specific scene i'm thinking about is when um uh de niro is in casino falling in love with uh ginger sharon stone's character and they're cutting and, and and he's cutting from you know, Ginger in slow motion back to Robert De Niro, who's in, I think, right, you know, regular speed. And, you know, you would think in your mind that wouldn't work. Um, but it's so just, it's so clever and it, it, you almost don't even notice it. You know, um, you don't, you wouldn't, you would have to sort of take a second and say, oh, this is in slow motion. Um, and so. Yeah, he kind of does that in Goodfellas too. Yeah. With De Niro at the bar. Okay, my number four is. Uh, the sniper scene in Full Metal Jacket. Um, mm. This is sort of like a you know overly. You really sti- don't like slow motion, Chief. Overly I, stylized I, and like overly dramatic playing out of this scene. Yeah, I I I gotta be, be honest that that is that scene has never made sense to me. 
why? Which part? Like when they're shooting, when they keep like the shooting them yeah, in the arm the and slow stuff. Slow motion. I just, I, I, I mean, I don't know. That's always See, bothered here's, me. Well, here's so this is what I like about it because like, look, I feel like that scene would have worked just fine in just real speed, but I think you, it, it's just sort of like this interesting stylistic choice that he makes to like, and it's not just about like the the impact of the bullet and the blood and like. It's like kind of that the like slow motion scream that the characters have like I feel like adds to the impact of like how much agony they're in and it's telling the other characters like how we have to go get him you know and it puts them in this bind and you know between this rock and the hard place and like I think that's what makes that work is like by by making that in put by putting that in slow motion you're 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 creating it like an overly dramatic scene or, or, or a scene that's already dramatic, you're making it even more dramatic and perhaps overly dramatic. And I think that works. I think that creates this idea that, like, you know, or it gives you an, a, a, a way to be in the character's shoes. Well, to piggyback onto that a little bit, is my number four is the ending of Bonnie and Clyde. And how I'm piggybacking on that is there's something about violence and slow motion that works really well together yeah especially people getting shot um i'm looking at my list and i think i have like four of people just being murdered slowly (laughs) and that's one of them and that's obviously one of the more iconic ones um but uh yeah end of bonnie and clyde that is it's a great scene I really need to see that movie and, again. And, and it's one that's it, it. There are the slow motion moments are just sort of short, cut in with the fast motion. It's really smart, right. especially when you think about how old that film is. And if I remember correctly, the sound is not. It's not like the, the bullets are going. Yeah, exactly. it's like the the you hear the machine gun. It doesn't fit the same. No, it doesn't. And they're like still firing. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. All right, Chapin. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, my number three is um, another death, a slow death, and that is um, Mr. Sir. He's not a sir, um, but he's uh, Miss, Mr. Melisandre, which I didn't re- quite realize. Guy Pierce dying in the f- beginning of the Hurt Locker from the explosion, the slow motion explosion. I, I saw this come come up a lot and. It didn't end up making my list, but I, I rewatched that scene. I'm like that, and that is so cool with like the rocks coming off the yeah. off the car and stuff. Like, what a cool way to use slow motion. Doesn't yeah. like his helmet get all bloody? Yeah, yeah, because his like oh, head explodes yeah. inside of it. And you, if you look at real explosions that are filmed in slow motion, there's like a there's a wave, like a shock wave that you can actually see if you if it's filmed slow enough. And I think they really capture that. They there, do which that. Is pretty yeah. cool. It's so good. All, All right, right. I got another death here at my number three. <laughs> Keep them coming. Hans falling from the Nakatomi uh, building I thought of that and die one. hard. Fuck you, Lee. And, like, the music in that scene, too, that, like, just kind of same note that just keeps going is so good. Yep, that's it. Yep, that's it. That was actually don't really even, well. You hit it perfectly. Yeah. Don't even need to play a clip. 
All right, uh, I'm up. <laughs> Chapin found the one slow-mo scene he likes, and I took it from him. Uh, all right, so my <laughs> number three is more people dying. <laughs> and it's uh, it's the beginning, the first deaths in Zodiac, the opening. Yeah, that's a good uh, scene. Yeah. When uh, Zodiac just comes up and just, they go, oh, you scared me there, buddy, and then he just starts shooting and i forget what the song was yeah another good use of music though yeah (laughs) and again clip number two uh here comes the roly poly man (laughs) brilliant yeah so there you go my number three oh is it me again and you're up again yeah fuck's sake well my number two was was die hard you can be die hard. You can still be die hard. All right. <laughs> Terrible pick. <laughs> <laughs> really? Die hard? At number two? <laughs> I would accept it at three. Um, okay, my number two. I apologize, guys, if I'm stealing something else from you, but it's uh, a couple scenes in this movie, but specifically Omaha Beach in Saving Private Ryan. Mm. Oh, my God. How did I not think of that? Because that's yeah. not really... I don't think of that as slow motion. So it is different right but yes yeah, so, so i don't I know what they do the, here i can tell yeah. you what it is please do so they they i think they film it at 24 frames a second and then they slow it down or or they film it even a higher frame rate so they speed it up and then slow it down oh I see, so yeah. that you're you've got that sort of staccato thing happening right. but you're just basically duplicating frames so it's like it it doesn't quite capture that motion blur and so it's do you does that make sense yeah, so you, it does. you shoot at 24 frames a second, but then you just double it, and so you've got these double frames where... Um, well, I oh. guess it doesn't fit my criteria of frames per second changing, but I do. I felt, I feel like it fits But it's still slow scene. motion. Yeah. You're right. You're right. It's still yeah. slow motion, technically. Um, and they do... So it ha- it's twice in the movie, right? Again, later in at the bridge in Ramel, I think the same thing. They do the same thing, right? Um, I think so, or it, he definitely goes into that bullet, or that not bullet time, but that sort time, of yeah. sell, shell shocked kind of. At another point, yeah, Can't yeah. Remember when? Nice. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it is weird that that wasn't like one of the first things that popped in my mind, but maybe it's because it was. Yeah, it looks different. It's not like your typical. Yeah. yeah. And like it's this, not smooth. I, I think, oddly, when I thought of that, I was like, oh, I, I always think more of those scenes because the sound cuts out. Like, that's the more yeah. obvious piece of it. Or, like, the sound doesn't totally cut out. It becomes, like, echoey and muted. All right, so um, I'm going to switch up my number two because Chapin already took it at uh, Raging Bull. And I'll go with uh, the Untouchables, Brian De Palma's The Untouchables, the stair scene where the babies going slowly down the stairs as they're uh, shooting each other. And yeah. shooting each other, of course. It's been a long time since I saw that too. Like the whole, like so that is it that the the baby carriage is going down the stairs in slow motion, but a lot of the rest of the scene is playing in real time. Is that is that right? right? Yes. Which I think is kind uh, of an interesting choice. But the baby doesn't seem very phased by it. I rewatched no, it today, so. and I was like, he's fine. Yeah, because they yeah. shot the baby like six months later on a stage and just like shook the... <laughs> shook the carriage. Uh, you're still not supposed to shake them. Yeah. yeah. Well, back then it was... I mean, all those things, all those rules have changed. 
All right, Chapin, what do you got for number one? Number one. So my number one is um, it might be hard to. Oh yeah, no, you just brought it up, Jeremy. Um, the the slow push in on De Niro that's pr- I think shot at like 32 frames a second or so. it's very it's not that it's not that slow yeah. at the bar one in Raging Bull yeah no 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 in oh, Goodfellas where he's like deciding he's gonna kill this guy and he looks right. over and he's got this kind of like shit eating grin on his face but he's I looking used to have at him a p- poster of this shot in my dorm room and and what I love about it is that it's like it it, it happens like so subtly that you I love that I mean we talk so much about the the push in and you know especially as it pertains to Paul Thomas Anderson D- Scorsese uses it a lot too um, but this the slowness of it where you go and you realize especially with w- w- using the kind of the song as the sort of the geography of or the sort of the the sense of timing you're in an, a, you go from a, a extreme wide to a close up without even noticing it and there's something kind of like disturbing about that yeah no it's 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 like you said it, it like puts you in in his mind like you know right then uh, because of that combination of that music and the way he he does that push in with slow motion and that that but, like you said that little little grin that yeah yeah i mean my my raging bull one was going to be the one where he's he's fighting sugar ray and there's that sort of almost the same thing where like the sound goes out and it's it's like slow motion right before he goes and he punches him again. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm up, right? You are. Number one, um, it's two movies, same director, same thing, really. It's the openings of both Melancholia and Antichrist ah. uh, from Lars von Trier. I haven't um, seen I, Antichrist. I haven't. Me neither, because I'm scared to. Me so too. It's uh, you know, look. I mean, Antichrist is. It, it's actually a really good movie. It's. I, I'm never going to watch it again. Um, it's pretty disturbing. Um, but Melancholia. <laughs> you guys You're have really both seen. It. Yeah. You guys have both seen Melancholia. Yeah, I love it. Um, yes. So they in both of these movies, he does the same thing at the beginning, where he he films essentially like little segments from the movie. Um, at, you guys want to guess the frame rate that he shoots it at? Well, I think it was shot with a Phantom, right? So it's like really slow. So he shoots it at a thousand frames per second. Yeah. Yep. Which is how do you even tell it's moving? So it, it barely is. And but and so I read there was an interview with him, and he's and he's talking about it. And obviously, like you know, he needs an enormous amount of light to be able to do that. And like, not only are these scenes shot super slow, like like they are spectacular. Like they're the visuals are amazing. So. He obviously got as much light as he needed, but he was talking about how, like, when you're shooting that fast, you have to, like, sort of guess when when the actor is at the point where the action is that you want it and then and hit essentially hit record because it's so quick. Like, it's very easy to miss, like, the portion that you want, even though right. then it comes Why out Why can't slow. you just record all of it? Well, at 1,000 frames per yeah. second, like, how much, how much film yeah. are you eating? That's up? true. All right, well, I'm going to go and say my number one because it's, uh, I can't believe it's still on the board here, but I went with the van scene in Inception. Oh, in Inception. I, how did I not think of that? I literally was talking about the slow motion yeah. in Inception earlier. <laughs> and there's two. There's the one at the cafe where it all explodes, and then oh, the Oh, that van one I scene. thought of. Yeah, that one I yeah. thought of. But, you know, this is another example, like the Matrix, where you're, you're using slow motion because it's very specific to the story i mean you're dealing with time 
it, it I mean essentially yeah you're dealing with time and uh, obviously one of the many timelines on that uh, movie the vans falling for hours and hours yeah it's oddly like it's it's brilliant but it's oddly like sort of like oh no shit like this in this part of the world it's times going slower than in this part how can we portray well, that the van the van's the clock and right. like it's got you know once it goes over the edge you you kind of see it as like a this is how much time know, we an hourglass yeah. yeah so uh that's why i went with it for number one all right thanks for listening to another edition of the get your film fix podcast um be sure to check us out on itunes uh, maybe rate us, maybe send us an uh, email or a like on Instagram. We haven't gotten emails uh, in a while. Yeah, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com is where those emails should go. Uh, let us know what your thoughts are 20 years later on The Matrix. We'd be curious to uh, to see if it, it held up for uh, you guys. All right, thank you. <laughs>